This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. are back with another edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. Bruce Uli, Andy Anders with you. Well, we know a lot more than we knew a week ago about the Big Ten. Uh, one thing we knew for sure, Ohio State was the class of the conference. Uh, the rest that we know may not be that good for the league at large, but it's good for the Buckeyes. And that's where we begin a uh, week two edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. Let me say hello to my friend Andy Anders and partner who is joining us remotely today with a little R&R after the Buckeyes' victory over Penn State on Saturday night. Andy, it was 38-25. to Did it feel that close to you? No, not at all. I mean, even if you just look at two shorter-than-30-yard field goals that Ohio State missed, that right there, this score should have been 44 then to 25. Yep. Uh, you had the roughing the passer call against them early, the questionable field goal decision at the end of the half. A lot of things that made that score closer than it uh, should have been just on paper. And then the difference between the two teams, Penn State, 44 rushing yards in that game. Uh, Ohio State's defense made huge steps, still steps to take. But uh, got to say, there was a huge gap between the two teams Saturday. Yeah, we want to thank you all for joining us on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. Uh, do us a favor, click that follow button. It's located on the right-hand side of the screen. It's the little heart. Once you do that, you'll receive an email or text notification every time we go live on the Chris Landry Football Show. Every single time, just click on the link in the message, and bam, you are watching us live. We have... Uh, as I said, a landmark Ohio State victory. They uh, are not easy to come by at Penn State, uh, but easier, I would say, without a whiteout crowd in attendance. But everybody in the Big Ten is playing under severely restricted crowd situations this year. Maybe a crowd at Michigan would have made the difference on Saturday for the Wolverines. Uh, that is not a flattering result. Wisconsin did not get to play Saturday because of COVID. Penn State is 0-2. Minnesota, who we thought was going to be perhaps a uh, build-on last season type uh, team, not so much. The Gophers are 0-2 as well, and the surprise team of the Big Ten so far through two weeks would have to be Andy Anders' surprise team at the start of the season. You said the Indiana Hoosiers, Andy, and the Indiana Hoosiers I don't know if we can uh, tell too much about a win over Rutgers, but they are 2-0, and and they are in the top 25. Absolutely. I mean, right now it looks like Ohio State-Indiana is lining up as the matchup to determine the Big Ten East at this rate. Um, not so much for Indiana being that good, but for the rest of the division looking that bad uh, just out the gate. Um, 
I think what's interesting to see about the Hoosiers is will their defense be able to stop the Ohio State passing attack? Penn State really hit them with some bombs over the top in that game last week. Ohio State more so, way more so than Penn State has that ability. Um, I don't think that game will be close when it comes. Of course, that's not who Ohio State's playing this week. But definitely learned a lot. I think the Big Ten outside of Ohio State might be worse than we thought this season. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to get too excited about uh, Ohio State's schedule uh, until we even get to the playoff. I mean, maybe had Michigan beaten Michigan State like we thought and the Wolverines were a three-touchdown favorite over Sparty at home, let's not forget, this is a Michigan State team that lost at home the week before to Rutgers. Now, Rutgers has improved under Greg Schiano, but Rutgers hadn't won a Big Ten road game in forever. So Michigan State comes in there uh, – I mean, the most charitable thing that we can say about Mark D'Antonio's recruiting at Michigan State near the end of his tenure was that it dropped off dramatically when he was winning Big Ten championships. Mel Tucker goes in there. They lose to Rutgers. I can't imagine where their mindset was. They're going to Michigan. They're a three-touchdown underdog. And they didn't win that game in a fluke fashion, Andy. They won that game by just continually picking on Michigan's corners, throwing the ball deep, and they stoned Michigan on the ground. The Wolverines could not run the football, and they benefited from some really curious play calling, I thought, on the part of Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis. Michigan had an early and goal situation inside the 10-yard line, and they took out Joe Milton on second and goal and third and goal, and not so shockingly, settled for a field goal that at the end of the game, had that been a touchdown, we might have had a different result. Yes, I would say Joe Milton looked a little worse in week two than he did in week one as well. There were some overthrows at the end of that game. Uh, overall, the Michigan running game, we thought, had made a lot of strides coming into this year. It looked a lot better in week one. Um, like you said, though, didn't really get the ground game moving against Michigan State, and it cost them. I mean, overall, I was just shocked by that result. I thought coming off such a big win against Minnesota of all teams, I thought Michigan State was the worst team in the Big Ten this year after losing to Rutgers. And you come out, Michigan, you look so good in week one, and then, like you said, it wasn't a fluke win. Michigan State was the better team Saturday. So I don't, I have no clue what to think of Michigan at this point. Was it just a matchup nightmare somehow with the two and three star recruits Michigan State is getting compared to the four stars Michigan gets? I, I, I don't know what to make of that game in terms of Michigan other than, oh, they're a lot worse than I thought. Well, I'm just utterly flabbergasted at what we see in year six of the Jim Harbaugh regime at Michigan. Uh, this is a guy who can coach. He was a very successful coach at San Diego. Not San Diego State, but at San Diego. He was extremely successful at Stanford. And you can say it was Andrew Luck, but the fact of the matter is, he went into Stanford when Stanford was down, before Andrew Luck was on campus. And he went to USC, and he beat USC with a backup quarterback. And uh, he went to uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and he won big. And the Niners had talent, but they were under an underachieving team. Mike Singletary wasn't winning. Jim Harbaugh went in there. He won with Alex Smith. He won with Colin Kaepernick. So I don't have any doubt that the guy knows football. I don't have any doubt that the guy can coach. I don't think you coach successfully three different places on three different levels and uh, luck into that kind of success. And I'm just utterly astounded that we are in year six at Michigan and they not only are not winning at the level that they 
have a right to uh, win at, given their history, tradition, resources, talent. They are not even close to looking like a Jim Harbaugh football team. They aren't physical. Um, they don't appear to know what they want to be. I would say the word that comes to mind with me and Michigan football right now, Andy, is floundering. I just think they are a floundering program, and that is that is absolutely, utterly astounding to me. Right. Well, you always look at year four onward with a new coach, right? Like the first three years, you can always make the argument that you're building a tradition, you're getting your guys in place. But from year four onward, that's really – where you can be judged. And Harbaugh, years four through six, has been just as unproductive as in years one through three. This is his team now. No one from the previous regime. These are all his recruits. So where is the culture that you expected to see from a Harbaugh coach team? Like you said, the physicality, it just hasn't been there. And you and I were talking before the show about his contract. This is a contract year for him. What do you do with him if you're Michigan? My personal opinion is I'm not sure – who Michigan could get that's going to be better. Obviously not getting over that Ohio State hump is understandable, but you expected that he would at least find a way to beat Ohio State one of these times in five years, and this will be the sixth year. It doesn't look like they're going to do it this year. You'd expect that he would have a Big Ten East crown at the very least this long into his tenure. It hasn't happened. Straightforward, he's not a $7 million coach right now. He hasn't had the results to warrant a contract that big. So either Michigan needs to restructure his deal or move forward, but I'm not sure who they could move forward to. What do you think, Bruce? Well, I just think that uh, you paid him what you had to pay him to get him there. I understand that. Uh, I don't think Michigan is looking to economize on football. That's a program that, like football at Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee, USC, any number of programs in the country – has to pay the bills for a big-time athletic program. Michigan aspires to be great at everything. They aspire to be great at baseball. They've gone to the College World Series. They aspire to be great at hockey. Uh, they aspire to be great at basketball and at women's basketball and at many different uh, programs. And that's all fueled by the economic success of football. They're not hoping to be 8-3 and three at Michigan. That's not what Michigan is. That's not what they aspire to be. It's not what they should be. And so let's say if you drop Jim Harbaugh's salary from $7 million to $5 million, that's going to save you $2 million, but that's all it's going to do. It's not going to fix your problems throughout the athletic department everywhere else. It's not going to fix your donor problems because people just flat donate to schools more often when those schools are achieving at the level that alumni expect. And it gives me no pleasure to say this. I'm not an Ohio State graduate who – has denigrated Jim Harbaugh. I thought he was a phenomenal hire, and up until about last year, I would have said, no, he's the right hire. Uh, You know, he'll figure it out. But he hasn't figured it out. And this season, uh, it's it's not even disputable now that Ohio State has transitioned from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, and the distance between Ohio State and Michigan has increased. It hasn't decreased. Uh, That just can't happen. So I think Michigan has to make a change. Um, The two guys that jump out to me, and I don't think one of them would take the job, is Luke Fickle. The other one that jumps out to me, and I believe he would run there over broken glass with his feet on fire to take the job, is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. 
And Matt Campbell's a Northeast Ohio guy, a Massillon guy, a guy who's done a good job at Iowa State. I don't think he's a lead pipe since sure thing. But Lincoln Riley's not taking that job. Tom Herman is not a lead. You know, Tom Herman's not a cinch for anything at Michigan. Uh, name me another. Urban Meyer's not taking that job. Don't even, like, be dumb and suggest that. Nick Saban's not taking that job. So those are the two names that come to mind with me, Andy, and I can't think of anybody else. Am I missing a hot coach out there that has ties to Michigan that you think would take that job? But to me, it's a Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle discussion at this point in time, and I don't think Luke Fickle would take that job. Well, yes, those are the exact two names I was going to bring up, and I would Matt Campbell would be my pick to take that job. Um, what, what about Les Miles out in Kansas? Do you think he might uh, – they, they go knock it on his door? <laughs> well, I no. mean, that makes sense. He's a, he's an Illyria, Ohio guy who played at Michigan, and he played for Bo and all that stuff. But, I mean, the age is problematic, I think, on Les Miles. And I, the age and the recent, uh, yeah. the recent run, or lack thereof, yeah. of coaching success. I mean, obviously did some stuff with LSU back in the day, but hasn't been successful in recent years. But, yeah, I think Matt Campbell is the only real solution for Michigan. And maybe they do something where they feel it out, see if they can get a big-time head coach, maybe someone we haven't thought of that turns out has always had an interest for Michigan. I don't know. But uh, maybe it is a situation where you feel it out and see who you could get if you opened a coaching search before making the decision to let Jim Harbaugh go. Yeah, I don't know. There's always somebody who turns out to be a hot coach at the end of the season. Uh, you know, a, a Scott Frost type from a couple of years ago, you know, a smaller school program. There's always, uh, you know, the rumors that Auburn's ready to move on from Gus Malzahn, but Gus Malzahn doesn't seem like a Michigan guy to me. And uh, Matt Campbell does seem like a Michigan guy. I think so much of, and this is why it mystifies me, Andy, that Jim Harbaugh hasn't worked at Michigan. I really believe that hiring a head coach is about hiring a guy whose character and whose uh, attack plan as a head coach fits what the school has been, and Jim Harbaugh fits that perfectly. I never felt Rich Rodriguez fit that. I thought that would be an epic disaster from the beginning, and it was. Urban Meyer fit that at Ohio State. Jim Trussell fit that at Ohio State. John Cooper didn't fit that at Ohio State, but John Cooper won at a pretty elite level. But, of course, the Ohio State fans would tell you he didn't beat Michigan enough. Barry Alvarez fit that at Wisconsin. Paul Christ fits it at Wisconsin. Mark D'Antonio fit it at Michigan State. I think uh, Pat Narduzzi fits it at Pitt. Those kinds of coaches, you know, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, they're just a fit where they are. And that's what's so mystifying to me is Jim Harbaugh fits Michigan. But he's not getting the job done. They're not physical. They don't have a tailback. They don't have a star quarterback yet. Uh, you know, so I'm just, um, I don't know if it's the thing. The only thing, and I, I can't believe this is it, because I think Harbaugh is a guy who is not a, a coaster. You know, somebody who gets what he wants and then just says, well, life is grand. I'm just going to, like, shut her down here. But it almost seems like he got the Michigan job, and instead of hungering to like win his alma mater a national championship, he got sidetracked by how cool it is to send his kids to the elementary school that he attended and to sit in the office that Bo Schembechler used to sit in, that he sat across from the big desk when he was the quarterback of the Wolverines. And it almost seemed like instead of uh, fueling his desire to win at an elite level, it took a piece out of the hunger that he displayed at San Diego and with the 49ers and with Stanford. And I, I just couldn't be more surprised 
by any coach's failure to deliver on expectations at a Big Ten school than I am by Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Absolutely. No, I I agree with everything you said. Um, Like you, when that hire was made, I always thought that um, that he'd find some success there. He was a perfect fit, former player, understood the program, the tradition, the rivalry. I mean, this is the same guy that was famous for guaranteeing winning the delivery, right? So I, I just, the success to never beat Ohio State, to never win the big team is really befuddling. Was not expecting it. Uh, two years ago, I would have said that they, you know, that he's the right answer still. But I just think the results speak for themselves. You have to move on at some point if you're Michigan. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Maybe it's B-E-T-M-G-M. DraftKings. FanDuel, points bet, whatever it is, sign up, instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad, upper right-hand side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. All right, let's uh, dispense with some of the other Big Ten games. Uh, Purdue is a somewhat surprising 2-0. The Boilermakers win at Illinois. They took care of Iowa. A week ago, uh, Northwestern is surprising 2-0. Uh, they, with Peyton Ramsey, the Indiana transfer, win at Iowa by one point. Uh, Maryland comes back and beats Minnesota. So we have what I would consider surprises at 2-0, uh, Northwestern, Indiana, Purdue, and surprises at 0-2, uh, which would include, of course, uh, Penn State and Minnesota, Andy. Yes, uh I will say this about Purdue. I wouldn't buy into any much hype. I watched that game, that Purdue-Illinois game. I actually have a buddy staying here in New York with me who's a big Purdue fan. If you can believe it, the film would do that to themselves. But uh, that game was one of the worst games of football I've seen in a while. Um, just in the way, Purdue almost blew it at the end. They had like a three-score lead against Illinois. Illinois comes storming back because I, there was like seven fumbles in that game. Uh, if I remember right, I think the number was seven fumbles. That was just a really sloppy, um, unimpressive victory for Purdue. I mean, Illinois isn't that great in the first place. So I wouldn't be buying into them as much. Uh, Indiana, the thing is, Kansas State was the better team in that game a week ago. Just yep. straightforward, outgamed, more than double Indiana's yardage in that game. It's just everything broke the wrong way for Penn State. Uh, obviously, Jim Harbaugh, not Jim, well, James Franklin, game management um, skills we talked about last week, very much in question after the Devin Ford going into the end zone when you could have just laid down at the one, run out the clock, and won the game right then. Um, so a lot of things had to break Indiana's way. Week one, week two, again, it's, you know, it's Rutgers, and they struggled early. Did put them away late. But, uh, you know, they, they eventually cruise to a multi-possession win. But overall, Indiana just doesn't have the horses on defense to compete with Ohio State. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan beat them, even the way that they looked this past week. Uh, still, they've made huge strides. And I think uh, for what that program was a couple of years ago, you can't 
You can only be pleased if you're a Hoosiers fan at this point. Uh, just know you're probably not beating Ohio State this year. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, Indiana's one of those programs that uh, maybe can transition into a situation like an Iowa or a Northwestern where every five years uh, they're pretty good. Uh, they're never going to win the Big Ten East. Rutgers is never going to win it. Maryland's never going to win it. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be a Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, or Ohio State every single year, but you hope for uh, a 10-win season. You hope for, obviously that's not possible in an eight-game regular season, but you hope for this year, if you're Indiana, you hope for a 6-2 and two or a 7-1 regular season and a nice bowl bid. Uh, we want to thank you who've uh, found us on Twitch TV, twitch.tv forward slash the Chris Landry Football Show. Two things, hit that follow button. It's a little hard at the bottom right-hand side of the screen. That will automatically send you a message every time we're live and a link to the show. And secondly, you can chat with us on Twitch. Say hi, say anything. We'll give you a shout-out back. Our uh, friends in the Big 12 come up at the top of the hour The uh, in defense of the Big 12 show. I'm not sure there is any defense for the Big 12, given now that they are without an undefeated team, now that Oklahoma State has lost to Texas. Tom Herman, Andy, the former Ohio State offensive coordinator, uh, doing what Tom Herman does, losing to an unranked team and beating a ranked team. He's very good at that. He's got it backwards, but he's very good at that. Beating the ranked teams and losing to the unranked teams. You ever uh, you ever hear the term in baseball, straighten it out? Yeah. You, know, you, you fall off a pitch. It kind of feels like what Tom Herman needs to do over there. It's, it, he's fouling off. He's, he's whipping on the fastball right down the middle, and he's fouling it off down the line to the left against these unranked opponents. And then he somehow comes back against the nasty curve at the knees and smacks it right back up the middle for a single against Oklahoma State. I don't know what's going on over there. Obviously, I still think he's not the answer. He's kind of shown that through four years. Um, but very good for some other college football teams across the country that Texas won that game. Yeah. Texas is out of the playoff hunt. There's, there's no way now. No. So Big 12's out. That game at home, you were the biggest Texas fans on Saturday. Yeah. If you're Cincinnati or if you're some of those group of five teams that are kind of vying for a playoff bid, BYU – uh, was the other one I was thinking of. BYU and Cincinnati were the biggest Texas fans Saturday. And honestly, I would love to see Cincinnati in the playoff. Wouldn't you, Bruce? I would, too. And, you know, I've said in past years, Andy, that that's uh, something that I'm not really interested in because I don't really think those teams have a viable argument as a top-four team. And I don't know if it's COVID or if it's just that the cream has separated itself in college football. This year, it's Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, uh, Alabama without Jalen Waddle, I think, is a notch below. Uh, they don't appear to be playing Alabama-style defense. Maybe Nick Saban can figure that out. I wouldn't say that it's impossible, but it looks to me like, as I've said for a while, it's Ohio State-Clemson. Alabama's a viable playoff team. I think the SEC champ has to be in there. I have no interest in a two-loss Georgia being in the playoff over an undefeated BYU or over an undefeated Cincinnati. And because you and I have watched Luke Fickle for years at Ohio State and uh, because it's a, another program in the state of Ohio. And the Bearcats, I mean, the Bearcats took care of Memphis on Saturday in, in a dominant fashion. And I don't think Cincinnati would disgrace itself in a playoff semifinal if things continue as they are right now any more than any other team uh, from around the country would be overmatched against the Clemson, Ohio State, or in Alabama. Oh, absolutely. I, I This is the year for a group of five team. If it doesn't happen this year... Honestly, you need to change the playoff format, alter it so that there's a way a group, of, there's a separate group of five championship. I think because realistically, you can't say every team in the country has a shot at the national title. If Cincinnati were to go undefeated this year and not make it in, 
after what we've seen from the Big 12, what I think we're going to see from the Pac-12. Um, but I, I just think that's something you, you have to move toward um, that we could see in the future as a separate group of five title game. This is the year, and like you said, I think there isn't any uh, level of – there's not much difference between no. Cincinnati and the top of the Big 12 this year. They're just business. I mean, maybe uh, I'll change my maybe I'll change my mind once I see Oregon play. Uh, you know, I don't know, but uh, the Pac-12 to me is uh, an afterthought, and I think it's goofy as all get out that they're willing to play a game at 9 a.m. local time on Saturday in Los Angeles. How many how how, how many Angelinos are getting up at 9 a.m. on Saturday to watch? Arizona State at the Coliseum against the Trojans, so they can play on the big noon kickoff. I mean, that was a man. Oh man, there'll be uh, there'll be a lot of sleepy eyes in that place. If, I don't even know if they can have fans. Probably not in California. No, probably not. Everybody has to hide inside in California. But uh, let's uh, let's flip now to the game that uh, that was supposed to be the game of the week. I think it probably was the game of the week, although mostly the the most noteworthy was Michigan State's win over Michigan State because I don't think anybody's surprised that Ohio State beat Penn State. Uh, they didn't have to battle the crowd at the whiteout, uh, but they weren't losing that football game. I mean, Master Teague runs for 100. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, the first pair of receivers to have 100 yards for Ohio State in the same game. That's kind of a surprise to me that Ohio State has had some uh, pretty good throwing games over the years and has never had two receivers with 100 yards in the same game. The defense, I thought the defense... Um, Elements of it were better. We still wonder about the secondary, but your overall impressions of Ohio State against Penn State on Saturday, Andy, a game that ended 38-25, to but as we said in the beginning, two chip shot field goal misses by the Buckeyes and a perhaps gift field goal at the end of the half. Uh, well, no, perhaps. It was a gift field goal at the end of the half for Penn State. The half was well expired and uh, a questionable roughing the passer penalty. Ohio State won by 13, but we're a much more dominant team than Penn State on Saturday night. What was your overall impressions there? Yes. Um, what I will say about that, Chris, a lot of Garrett Wilson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What I will say about that, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave stat is that uh, it was, that hasn't happened in back to back games before. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson did it oh. the previous week. Okay. Know. Okay. Now, uh, now it makes more sense. To game. Makes much more sense. Yeah. Yes. But overall, uh, the defensive line took the biggest jump of anybody to me. I know people are going to talk about the running game, but Ohio State's defensive line. I mean, Tommy Tokyo and Haskell Garrett looked great last week, looked even better this week. Uh, again, Haskell Garrett, the same was shot in the face three months ago, two months ago, and is back and dominating on the defensive line for Ohio State. Uh, Jonathan Cooper had an incredible game uh, coming off the end, wearing that block of O jersey for Ohio State, his number zero is allowed in football this year. Um, Zach Harrison had a nice play in there, tackling uh, Clifford and Ford at the same time on the zone read. Uh, the linebackers made a huge jump, too, I thought, uh, specifically against the run. And Barrett Browning actually did a pretty good job covering Pat Fryermuth when they were matched up. I was very much pleasantly surprised with Baron Browning's performance in pass coverage because that was kind of a hole in his game last week and in the past that he needed to fix. And, had that big uh, touchdown pass breakup uh, on a, in a goal-to-go throw to Byron's there. Um, the running game, he looked good running downhill. When he got into space, he kind of looked confused. Um, whenever he got into the open field, almost like he was surprised to be there. 
Trey Sermon really wasn't impressive to me uh, most of the game there. Uh, we didn't see Steel Chambers at all, which I kind of expected. Uh, but also, Ryan Day opening up the playbook helped a little bit. Garrett Wilson, that wide receiver quick right at the beginning, opened up and stretched the defense horizontally right off the bat and allowed you to hit some of those power runs with Teague. I mean, they went three, 75 yards on three plays, and all three plays were run. Of course, 62 on the first play to Garrett Wilson. But the way that Ryan Day is able to open the playbook and scheme to open some of those more downhill interior runs later I think was a big factor in Ohio State's success running the ball, at least early on. Uh, when they were trying to chew the clock, the running game slowed a little more, had to rely on the passing game to convert, convert from third and longs. But uh, interested for your thoughts. I just don't know how anybody stops Justin Fields, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. I just, I just don't know how it happens uh, until Clemson because I think Clemson has the corners that have a chance to cover downfield with them and would probably put on a pass rush. I mean, you saw Justin Fields, 28 of 34, 318 yards, uh, four scores. Uh, Fields looks extremely comfortable. He looks like a guy who's making that proverbial leap between their first year as a starter and their second year as a starter. Uh, Wilson's an absolute nightmare to cover. Olave looks like he's on a mission since uh, the miscommunication with Fields at the end of the Fiesta Bowl last year that led to the game-ending interception. They use the tight ends enough that if you don't uh, cover them, they're going to make you pay. Jeremy Ruckert, two touchdown catches against Penn State. Uh, and I thought they looked to me like on the running game, Andy. They they got away from plays that entice their running backs to dance and they were more downhill with Master Teague. I don't think Master Teague is going to be anywhere close to a J.K. Dobbins, but I think Master Teague's style and the uh, physicality of the Ohio State offensive line can serve a purpose in uh, pounding teams a bit to set up the finesse of the passing game. So I thought they made an improvement on the offensive side and I just think they're they're a big problem for teams to defend because they can uh, stretch you horizontally, they can stretch you vertically, they've got tremendous depth at wide receiver, they've got a quarterback who's playing at an extremely high level, and they've got an offensive line capable of protecting him. Absolutely. An offensive line capable of protecting him. I've, I've been blown away with Nicholas Petit-Frere. Their new right tackle looked incredible these first two games. And that was the one of the pieces you weren't sure about on this offensive line. This offensive line is showing to be one of the better in college football, as we expected. Um, and the way they protected fields, I mean, that was a legitimate pass rush. I think they did get home a couple of times. But overall, he had a lot of time to throw the ball, considering Shaka Tony and Jason Owe were rushing on most of those throws. I would say my primary concern with Ohio State is nothing that is within Ohio State's control. And it's this. Um, I believe that iron sharpens iron, and competition makes you better. And I frankly don't believe Ohio State will play a team that will make them better uh, until they play in the playoff. Uh, You look at Rutgers this week, that's a walkover. Maryland is a walkover the following week. Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, None of those teams are going to challenge Ohio State. Penn State, uh, excuse me, uh, Wisconsin can't run with Ohio State. Ohio State will throw for as many yards as they want to throw for against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game with assuming Justin Fields is healthy and everybody's healthy. They aren't hit with COVID or or, uh, debilitating injuries. 
And conversely, I mean, Clemson has been stretched at times. BC stretched him on Saturday without Trevor Lawrence. I think Notre Dame is a good test for Clemson. They'll run into another test, a more stringent test, in their play in their league championship game than Ohio State will. Uh, whether it's Miami again, whether it's Notre Dame again, Clemson's going to play a team that has athletes more comparable to their own athletes than Ohio State is going to play a team more comparable to their own athletes in the Big Ten championship game. So in some respects, what I'm saying is not at all a criticism of Ohio State. It is actually a compliment to Ohio State that they have raised their level so far above anybody in their conference that I don't believe anybody in their conference is capable of forcing them to get better. And the problem with that is you get away with mistakes in technique, little insidious flaws that can creep into your game because the opponent is not good enough to exact a toll for those mistakes that I think your attention to detail, uh, I'm sure the coaches will notice things, but I'm not sure the players will feel uh, the urgency to correct them because they won't be exploited like teams that are comparable to them could exploit them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head right that, like with that. I think the biggest area of concern for that is in the secondary, right? Really, Ohio State isn't going to play anyone else unless Wisconsin's back with Graham Mertz and they're able to develop a core of receivers around him that can hit you over the top with weapons like a Clemson could or an Alabama absolutely could. Um, those two teams have such a bit, such great players at the quarterback position with such great receivers around them. That secondary is going to have to be a fine-tuned machine for that game. Uh, and it obviously is the youngest, most inexperienced unit in Ohio State's team this year. And you're not going to get tested. Uh, Penn State was the, really the only game you looked at and said, okay, Penn State's going to try and throw it downfield. Sean Clifford. Uh, has a low completion percentage with a high yard per attempt. He loved to throw it down the field, and they did. Uh, and obviously, and when they did, I thought uh, there were a few plays Ohio State won challenging down the field. Kevin Banks step for step with Jahan Dotson early. Uh, Sean Wade later on, though, uh, had some issues covering him. But Penn State doesn't have a deep group of receivers either. So I think the inability to have a test for the secondary could hurt Ohio State early when they try when they're trying to get their legs under them against Clemson or Alabama. Yeah, I think a Devonta Smith, a Mac Jones, you know, and then you pair Clemson and uh, Alabama have a running back, unlike any running back Ohio State is going to see, and a Nanjay Harris and uh, a Travis Etienne. So that's my long term concern for Ohio State. You know, the but otherwise. Uh, the problems for Ohio State are things that are in no one's control, COVID and injuries. And aside from that, uh, I would feel extremely comfortable. I just can't even envision, even with COVID, uh, Ohio State not winning the remaining six regular season games they're scheduled to play, including the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. I think Ohio State could win any of their remaining six games with a backup quarterback, whoever it is, Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, or Gunnar Hoke. And I think they'd need fields to probably beat Wisconsin. But um, other than that, I think the Buckeyes are on a crash course with the playoff, and I'd be stunned, absolutely stunned, if Clemson is not in there, even if Clemson loses to Notre Dame this week without Lawrence. I think DJ Uyunglele is 
is pretty good for Clemson if you look at his numbers, and that loss is going to be forgiven, uh, and it should be forgiven if Lawrence doesn't play and Notre Dame wins that game and they play Notre Dame again in the ACC title game and Clemson beats them. We wouldn't want Ohio State kept out of the big uh, out of the playoff if Justin Fields had to sit a game and Ohio State lost it because of COVID or injury. And I think Ohio State fans should extend the same courtesy to Clemson. I want to see that game. I wanted to see it last year. It was a phenomenal game. It didn't end the way Ohio State fans would have wanted it to. There's a lot of controversy about it, but I think it's the game that everybody in college football wants to see, and it's the game I think we're going to see. And uh, it's just unfortunate, in my view, that we can't get anything in the interim that's really that interesting as it concerns Ohio State. Yes, absolutely. Uh, forgetting that loss for Clemson Clemson, although I will say, I think DJ, uh, Clemson's backup quarterback to Trevor Lawrence, would start at about 90% of collegiate programs right now. A former five-star recruit looked like looked great last week against Boston College. Clemson had some other issues going on. Uh, fumble on the goal line that kind of swung up until it nearly cost them that game. Uh, if they lose that game to Boston College, as they came so close to doing, and then you lose this week to Notre Dame, then maybe you're talking Clemson's out of the playoffs. But yes, I totally agree with you. Uh, they drop this one to Notre Dame uh, and then go back and beat them in the ACC title game when they get Trevor Lawrence back. Uh, I think it'd be warranted absolutely to put them in the playoffs and to give them that loss. Yeah, and I don't think they will lose to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has trouble throwing it. Uh, Clemson, if, you, if you're one-dimensional against Clemson, Brett Venables' defense is going to stop that. I could be proven wrong, but... We'll see you next Monday when we host our next edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. All right, Andy, let's uh, let's do our uh, weekly uh, feature here that uh, we uh, call this. Oh, I have my sound down. I try it again. Colonel Nathan Jessup gives us the name for this segment. You can't handle the truth. All right, Andy, what's your you can't handle the truth moment for this week? Yes, if you think the Big Ten isn't punishing Nebraska in some form, I think you're full of it. Um, we weren't on the podcast last week when the game was canceled, right? We just knew Graham Mertz was out. We knew COVID cases were popping up with the game and not been canceled yet. So, Nebraska, after getting this impossible schedule to navigate in the Big Ten, gets its game canceled against Wisconsin. Now, when you're trying to move a program up, if you're stopping off, you're trying to develop this Nebraska team, it is important to play games. It is important to get development for those players. It is important to see competition week in and week out. Nebraska was clean of COVID. They were ready to play Saturday. They had a team lined up. They said, here, Catanuga has cleared. They have their own protocols in place. They've cleared testing. We're ready to go with these guys. We're comfortable. There's no reason that game couldn't have been played. And the Big Ten said, no. I don't understand why. I get love. The, the excuse is, I'm sure, that there's a fear that you're bringing in a team from another conference. But when Chattanooga's protocols are such that they align with the Big Ten just fine and they're testing their players, why couldn't Nebraska have played that game and gotten the experience for its players? And, you know, Chattanooga, I'm sure, was disappointed. They could have gotten some great revenues out of that game. Um, but that just has to be if you're Scott Frost is sitting there going, what, what do you want from us? I'm sorry we wanted to play a season. You know, I'm sorry we as a team, our players and coaches wanted to go out and play football. Quit punishing, punishing us for this. Um, I just I, I thought that was ludicrous that the Big Ten wouldn't let Nebraska play uh, a game this weekend. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have anything else to add to it. I, I just think that was a really dumb decision on Big Ken's part. Yeah, I'm with you every bit of the way on that. Uh, it seemed ridiculous to me, um, and mine is not a whole lot different than that, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, a reminder that we are sponsored by America's betting experts, one of the largest sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We've teamed up to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad for American betting experts in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, or PointsBet. Sign up, receive an instant deposit match or risk-free uh, bet from $100 to $1,000. It is so easy. LandryFootball.com. Click on the American Betting Experts logo on the upper right-hand side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. You can't handle the truth! Now, mine is similar to yours, Andy, in that we always hear this phrase that it's about the kids, it's about the kids, it's about the kids. Uh, the Big Ten can tell us that their COVID protocols are about the kids, but 21 days is far too punitive for someone who tests positive for COVID. It's ridiculous that uh, that is the Big Ten standard. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Clemson, the highest profile player in college football, uh, in tandem with Justin Fields, um, is going to sit out two games because of the timing of his test Thursday before the Boston College game. If that test had been any earlier, he would have been able to clear all the protocols in the ACC in time to play against Notre Dame. I think it's too bad that he can't play against Notre Dame, but I have respect for the ACC and for Clemson that they're not going to try to fudge it or hurry him back out there. So I think there's no doubt the ACC has its players' best interest at heart, too. And I think the Big Ten, in an effort to show that it's on some higher plane than everyone else, has taken protocols that are reasonable for all other leagues and has made them more stringent just for appearance sake so that they can claim to belong to some higher road than others. I think they uh, are still mad about the fact that they were guilted into playing this season by Nebraska and Ohio State and by fans of the Big Ten. I don't think Kevin Warren has the best interest of Big Ten players at heart above the best interest of Kevin Warren. Face-saving. I was right, you were wrong. I think he has a concern for, of course, doing the right thing for players. I just don't think he prioritizes it above doing the right thing for Kevin Warren. And I think it's too bad that 21 days just for appearances sake is a hoop that players like Graham Murs have to jump through in order to get back on the field. I hope nobody else in the Big Ten who's a starter and a key part of their team's efforts this season has to deal with that. We shall see. But uh, this is the kind of thing that a national standard would have been helpful. Um, and I just think the Big Ten has gone over the top simply because they can. That's my view of their COVID protocols. So with that, uh, we will go through the schedule for the coming week. Uh, Ohio State will play its obligatory uh, Big Ten network uh, ratings boosting affair at night against Rutgers. We all clamor for the magic of a night game against Rutgers, don't we, Andy? Oh, absolutely. I, I can't wait. The atmosphere will be electric. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be solar. It'll be quite understated. Yes. 
there'll be a certain reverence uh, to the to the night game. The great well, homecoming. The great homecoming of Greg Schiano back to uh, Ohio Stadium. Oh, what a what a what a contest that will be! I'm sure I'm sure that'll be a real rocker of a game. Yes. Uh, Best game in the league. Best game in the league is probably going to be uh, Michigan Indiana. That's the game that'll tell us the most. It'll tell us the most about Michigan, and it'll tell us the most about Indiana. Well, absolutely. Um, how does Michigan respond after what happened this week? Um, can they get back out and get to get uh, a victory against Indiana? Who everyone is now they're they're in the top fifteen now. When's the last time you saw Indiana in the top fifteen in college football? It's been a minute. When's the last so, time Michigan uh, wasn't favored at Bloomington? Right. No, that's that's going to be insane. I wonder. Uh, might, might take the money line on that game. I don't know. Yeah. Some, uh, some betting experts. Uh, the yeah. uh, other game, Nebraska's at Northwestern. Uh, that'll be interesting. Northwestern two and zero. Can they beat uh, Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers? Michigan State is at Iowa. We'll see if Michigan State's. Uh, win at Michigan was a fluke, or if maybe they're better than we thought they were, or maybe they're better than we thought they were based upon their game against Rutgers. Maryland is at Penn State. Um, I saw a little bit of Maryland. I don't know whether that one's one that I should think Maryland might have a chance in. Uh, they scored a lot of points against Minnesota. Minnesota's defense is uh, is horrible. Uh, Purdue is at Wisconsin if uh, the Badgers are cleared to go. And Minnesota's at Illinois. That's a must-win for Minnesota. I mean, I know Illinois, um, you know, is hopeful that they'll be able to uh, figure things out under Lovey Smith. But there's no way Minnesota should lose to Illinois, Andy. Well, no, absolutely not. Uh, you mentioned the Maryland Penn State game too. I think it'll be interesting to see how Penn State rebounds. I mean, all your goals for the season are pretty much wiped now. Ohio State's not going to lose twice Mm-mm. in the big in the big cities. They're not going to lose once or get twice. So uh, what do you do now that you're 0-2? You can't win the conference anymore. You definitely can't make the playoff anymore. How do you respond? Are they going to have the will to fight and try to get back to a 6-2 season, salvage it, get to a bowl game, carry some sort of momentum into next year? Or is this just going to be another year where James Franklin thought he had this team going in and then he just couldn't deliver when when push came to shove? Uh, certainly looking that way. We uh, will have all the latest in the Big Ten next Monday at 10 a.m. Stay tuned for our friends on the uh, In Defense of the Big 12 podcast. Andy and I will return, as I say, uh, in a week to talk a little bit about uh, the Buckeyes, uh, I'm sure, name the score victory over Rutgers and whether Jim Harbaugh and Michigan got things back to uh, – status quo what is the status quo michigan and how much heat is there on harbaugh those are the questions we'll be sorting out as the conference season unfolds thanks to andy anders for joining us on his uh mini vacation thanks to you for joining us on twitch tv don't forget to hit that button and follow us the chris landry football show and uh you'll get the notification link every time we start bottom of the screen right hand side click on the share button and send it off to your friends we'd appreciate that very much Go to LandryFootball.com for your America's betting experts match. And we will see you all again next week. Andy, have a great week. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Absolutely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.